and we are back with what is certain to be the spookiest show out there, the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nick Pavona, joined alongside Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G. Marino. Another interesting week in the National Football League, some interesting wins, upsets potentially, and a lot of trades went down, and the trade deadline being tomorrow, could see a couple more, but guys, what can you say? The NFL continues to be king. Uh, this season of the NFL is, like I said, I give Roger Goodell a lot of props this season. Don't, I am, don't, not, don't a give fan, I am not a fan of, I'm not a fan of Roger Goodell, okay, like okay, I said, okay. but I got to give him props in the sense that he, the script writing this season have been really good. I mean, <laughs> all these twists and turns, like who would ever think that the script writers would ever pencil in Tom Brady going two games under 500? I would yeah. never guess that. I would never. I've Tom Brady's been a character in the NFL now for 20 years, and this is the first time that this has happened. So NFL script writers getting better and better each week. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady for the first time in his career is now two games under 500. And let's get into that game against Baltimore. I mean, going into it, both teams were not really, you know, lighting up the world. Baltimore had come off a win against Cleveland Browns. Could have easily lost that game, but held on at the end. Tampa Bay, let's just face facts, losing the two of the worst teams in the NFL in Pittsburgh and in Carolina. They go into this game trying to avoid another loss facing Baltimore. And again, Tampa Bay's offense just looked very anemic. Again, another game where they could not run the football. Leonard Fournette has under 25 yards rushing. Tom Brady threw for 325 yards and a touchdown. You know, stats will say he looked decent in this game. But there were a lot of times where Brady would overthrow some receivers and some, you know, he just wouldn't make the necessary throws that needed to be done. Mike Evans has 123 yards in the game. But Tampa Bay falls again. They lose this one 27-22. Solid game for Lamar Jackson. He throws for two touchdowns, 238 yards. Also had 43 yards rushing. Big games from Kenyon Drake and Gus Edwards running the football. Devin Duvernay had a rushing touchdown. And despite the Ravens losing Mark Andrews at the end of the day, Isaiah Likely, their rookie tight end, had a big touchdown in this game. He's the leading receiver. Big help for the Ravens' offense as they hope Andrews is okay down the stretch. But Baltimore gets the win to remain in first place. I'm just absolutely shocked about this. I can't believe Tom Brady. This is how he's ending his career. And I, I've seen some Peyton Manning comparisons, and I'm not going to say he's Peyton Manning at all. I think in his last season, Peyton, Man- Peyton Manning's that is, Tom Brady's, if this is his last season, the league's above him. I would say this is more like... 2019 Tom Brady than it was last season Peyton Manning where he is still pretty accurate but he's just kind of lacking in the red zone right now uh, I, yeah. I, I haven't seen Tom Brady struggle in the red zone this much in probably 20 years yeah I mean some really bad decision making from Tampa Bay right now I mean you got a question the loss of Bruce Arians is really lingering on this team you could tell because the offensive playmaking they've had for the past couple of seasons with Tom Brady and Aaron's at helm have been great, but they lose Arians. You know, they let, they let him walk in the offseason because there was a rumor that there was a rift between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. So Tampa Bay let him walk out in a quote unquote retirement, as they would like to say. And now you have Brady getting coached, you know, has Todd Bowles as the head coach. Byron Leftwich is still his offensive coordinator. And Brady and the offense have just not looked the same since they have the last season. And Leonard Fournette has really taken the biggest hit out of everyone. Because we're not seeing a lot of rushing yards out of him. He's really been mostly used as a receiving back, which is not the worst case, but it really just tells the defense, all right, we know they're not going to run the football, so we don't really need to stack the box. 
And that's really hurting Tampa Bay at the end of the day. And because of that, now they fall into third. They fall into second place, almost a third place, but they fall into second place in the NFC South. And this is a team that you expected to be in Super Bowl contention at the end of the day. Now they're even they're not even in consideration to make the playoffs and how badly they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Leonard Fournette really isn't a receiving back, to be honest. No. It, it, it really isn't playing to what his strength is. And it's I mean, I'm a fantasy owner of, of Leonard, so I'm a little annoyed. Um but I just I they just abandoned the run so fast. Oh, it, it's it's it kind of seems like what the Packers are doing in a sense where you yeah. know they can run the football because they have the playmaker there, but they just decide to go to the pass because yeah. you have a MVP quarterback and they want to make the decision making. And at the end of the day, it's really hurting their team and not helping them. Agreed. It's just frustrating watching a guy like Fournette. I mean, for years has been quality. And to uh, get this type of treatment is a bit disgusting. I mean, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay has to figure something out. I mean, they have another big game upcoming this week against the Rams. We'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. But if they cannot get a win against L.A., they are going to be three games under five hundred. And credit, the NFC South might be bad right now where they could still win the division. But this is just not a good look for Tampa Bay's organization. And really, you got to question if Todd Bowles will be on the hot seat if they keep losing in the ways that they're losing. I'm surprised he hasn't. I mean, been he's fired. not. He's not going to get fired midseason because they're still looking for a Super Bowl. Yeah, they keep, they can't fire him midseason. I think it would he's going to be fired at the end of the season no matter what. Yeah, I think you have to consider it because it's really been bad. It's it not been a positive. It's kind of inexcusable to squander uh, a wide receiver one like Mike Evans, a wide receiver two like Chris Godwin. Quarterback talent and Tom Brady and back talent and Leonard Fournette. Granted, the offensive line has struggled this season. Yeah, they are. They have a lot of injuries on the offensive line. I will, I will admit that. But to squander this town, this team should not be three and five. I think at worst they should be. Uh, they should they be should a be four, four and four team. I think at worst they should be four and four. At yeah. the very worst they should be four and four, which in reality is only one game off. You know, you flip the script on one game or whatever. But even a four and four performance, I think Todd Bowles still gets fired at the end of the season. So, but. The, and we don't see it at the end in sight. That's the problem. It's not like, okay, uh, I don't think they've bottomed out yet. You would have figured, okay, bottom. they would have bottomed out last week with that loss versus Carolina. That would that should have been the lowest point of their season. But they keep on digging deeper and deeper. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to stop at this point. I mean, and the biggest thing for this is because Todd Bowles is, was obviously the defensive coordinator during the tenure of Bruce Arians. And he's been known for this defense being really one of the best defenses in the NFL. And they started off strong with that game against Dallas, start of the season, really holding the Cowboys to nothing. Ever since that game, their defense has been really, really bad the last couple of weeks. I mean, P.J. Walker looked like an absolute beast against them last week against Carolina. Lamar Jackson had himself, you know, was able to do pretty much anything in the second half of this game. They held him in check in the first half. But suddenly in the second half, it just seemed as if Tampa Bay's defense went to sleep. And now they lose Shaquille Barrett for the season. That's going to be a major blow for that defense. So they really cannot catch a break when it comes down to their injuries. There's rumors that they could be trading Sean Murphy bunting at the uh, trade deadline. So I don't know where they go from here. It's tough. 
I, I don't even know what to say about this team anymore. They're just there's not much you can say. I mean, there's nothing positive that has come out of Tampa. They are yeah. drastically underperforming. Yeah. Let's keep the topic on garbage teams and segue into the NFL's game in London this past week. The last Denver London Broncos. game of the year. Yeah, last, and uh, it didn't go off a bang. Denver holding on well, 21-17 to beat Jacksonville. And let's be real right now. Both these teams suck. It was, a good, it, was a, it was a good finish to the game, but yes, going, no one had any expectations for this game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I still want to believe in him. I still believe in oh. Trevor Lawrence, but he hasn't made the last couple of weeks worthwhile. He had a very, very strong start to the season. First couple of weeks of the season, he's looking really good, but the last three or four games, it's been a little rough. October's not been his month. I mean, yeah, I mean, the the... You know, it's kind of like how Sam Darnold said he was seeing ghosts a couple years ago. Maybe Trevor Lawrence is seeing some ghosts because right now he's just playing horrible. Let's just face facts. Touchdown interception, two interceptions in this game, 133 yards, held in check throughout the entire game. Jaguars' only chance of staying in this game was due to the fact that Travis Etienne Jr. had a monster game, 156 yards rushing and a touchdown, kept them, you know, alive, and carried the Jacksonville's defense. They played pretty good in this game. They held Russell Wilson. And the offense in check. I mean, I mean, credit as the, way the season has gone, it's not really saying much considering how the Broncos have played offensively. But you gotta give Denver some credit. They played decently enough to stay alive in this game. Russell Wilson did just enough to win. So you have to you have to think that those high knees on the airplane ride to London, maybe they did something. I don't know. Probably not. But not at the end of the greatest stories I've ever heard. I, I didn't want to bring that up, but since we're bringing it up, that if I was a teammate of Russell Wilson, if I was trying to get some sleep. On a cross-Atlantic flight. Oh, I'd be absolutely annoyed. And here's the thing. They're traveling from Seattle. It's not like you're going New York. My Seattle. London. You're going. You, you have to travel the entire wait, continent wait. of the United States. Well, God, you said Seattle. Oh, my God. From Denver. It, still, it's in the middle of the country. <laughs> yes. It's in, it's in the middle of the country. I thought he was on Seattle for a second. We're going to talk about Seattle next. But it's, it's not. It's a, still, you have to go across half the country at this point. Or three quarters of the country to get to yeah. London. It's not like it's an e- it's not an easy flight going from New York or Florida or Boston or Philadelphia. You're talking about you're on a plane now for eight or nine hours, and you're telling me you're trying to sleep. It's the middle of the night, and all you hear is high knees. If he doesn't, well, lose- no, you're not hearing high knees. He's when he's doing the high knees, he's saying Broncos country, let's ride. That's what you're hearing. I hope he wasn't. I've God. I mean, I hope he wasn't either. But if I was, if I was in the locker of Russell Wilson, he's supposed to be a leader. I get you want to practice, you want to work out, you want to stretch, whatever. You want to get your psych. You have to psych yourself up again. But there are fifty other players on that airplane trying More to rest that, up. Probably. Well, yeah, probably fifty-one or if they could bring. I don't. I don't think they're bringing practice squad guys over. They, to, they uh, don't. Well, to, I mean, uh, still got to be bringing a couple others just in case of an injury. Like, no, they 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 don't have the they don't have the the practice squad people with them. None of them, really. No. surprising. You, you see that they don't unless you're on the active roster. You, you don't. The only people that maybe could have joined them was guys that are injured. Because I know when the Giants had their game, Sterling Shepard joined them on the London trip to go see them play against Packers. So regardless, you have fifty other grown men trying to rest up before a game, and the coaches. And and the coaching staff, and this is what you hear on the airplane. 
How do you not become public enemy number one in your own locker room after this? Was he not already? I mean, he already might might have been before this came. Mm. Fine. It just cements him as public enemy number one in Broncos uh, country. Yeah. Well, listen, at the end of the day, Denver got the win, so they, I guess, keep themselves alive and any slim chance of making the playoffs. They're going to be one of those teams that could be very interesting to monitor, monitor at the end of the day when it comes to the trade deadline. Because there are rumors they're looking to maybe trade Jerry Judy away. As a Giants fan, I would maybe potentially like to see him in a Giants uniform. So I don't know where they currently stand. The Jaguars are another team that's going to be also involved in trade deadline rumors. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But at the end of the day, Denver gets the win. But like you said, not a game that everyone really had circled on their calendars going into it. True. But there was a game that I had circled on my calendar going into this week. Considering how these two teams had played this season. And, you know, there's another game where a lot of people did not really have it circled going on in their calendar. Because, let's just face facts, no one had any expectations for these two teams. But they had played beyond expectations for how this season has gone. The Giants and the Seahawks in Seattle. Giants coming into this game 6-1. and one, Seattle 4-3. and three, And on top of the NFC West. So... A huge opportunity for both these teams to get a big road, you know, a nice, good win. Obviously, for the Giants, a road win in Seattle would be huge to go into their bye week at 7-1. Seattle trying to keep pace and stay in top, or excuse me, on top of the NFC West. And they did just that. They win this game 27-13. Giants offense was really bad in the first half. They had 40 yards of total offense in that first half. Not really going to win the game when that's going on. Saquon Barkley was held in check to 53 yards rushing on 20 carries. Did have a touchdown. But story of the game was for the Giants is that Richie James had two big fumbles on two punt returns. And that was the difference of this game. Seattle took advantage and was able to score. He had a nice game from Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who were both going into the game with injuries, but they were able to play. And Geno Smith continues to shine each and every week he's currently playing. Now has 13 touchdowns and three picks on the season. Going to have to be a really big consideration on maybe does he get some MVP talk as the season goes on. But Gino is definitely playing himself into a contract extension once the season ends. This is one of the craziest storylines I've seen. But you mentioned Richie James before. Is he public enemy number one in New York State, New York City, New Jersey? Uh, really the whole tri-state area. Well, for Giants fans, yeah. Yeah, right now he is public enemy number one. For New York Giants fans, uh, there's good. There's, I, reason I don't say he's probably number number one in all those is because there's some there's some talk with the Jets right now, and they're they're not really happy about their game. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, Richie James definitely. Do you cut him after a performance like this? I I don't think you I don't think you cut him per se. I think you need to find someone else to punt returns. Richie James also got hurt, so let's keep in mind he might not play for a little bit. So they're gonna have to find someone to do punt returns. But man, it just this game proved that he cannot really, really do it. He would, you know, it's not as if he was muffing the punt as he caught it. He caught the ball, then he was running, and then he fumbled. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you cannot afford to have that happen on your special teams. We've seen teams like the Packers lose games because of things like this. So, if you're the Giants, you need to fix that problem immediately before it gets even worse down the season stretch. And you know the sad part of this was a tie game early in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So it's a lot closer than the score actually shows you because of those mistakes Richie James made, especially towards the end there where Kenneth Walker had the touchdown of, I believe, five minutes left. Yep. That was because it was field positioning 
five years muff punt, punt returns. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a game the Giants certainly had a chance. I mean, they once again made some good second-half adjustments like they've done all season. They also took advantage of a Tyrell Lockett fumble earlier in the game. And credit to Dory Jackson, who had a monster game for the Giants in this one. Really kept them alive at the end of the day. But they, the two muff punts definitely are not were definitely the reason why the Giants do not come out on top with the victory. They'll go into the bye week at 6-2, and two, have a chance to rebound back against Houston Texans in two weeks. But for Seattle, I mean... They just keep going. They're now 5-3, and three, still on top in the NFC West. They got a big shot on this upcoming weekend with the Arizona Cardinals. So we'll see how that one goes. But great job by Seattle to take advantage of those mistakes that the Giants did. They still are on top of the NFC West. I want to stay in New York here, I guess, in the state of New Jersey, because that's where both the Giants and Jets play in MetLife Stadium in, uh, in New Jersey. But let's talk about that Patriots game. Now, I said earlier in the year that it is tradition that the New England Patriots teabag the Jets twice a year it is a tradition like no other. Maybe only the Kansas City Chiefs teabagging the Broncos every every single year. But Patriots win this game 22-17. to 17. Uh, People are going to say it's a controversial, controversial call towards the end of the game, or I shouldn't say towards the end of the game, towards the end of the half, where Mac Jones would have thrown a pick six, but it was called a roughing the passer call. It was the right call. It was the right call. I didn't know that. It, it was... At the end of the day, it's the right call, so you can't sit here and say, well, what about us? It's because at the end of the day, that's the right call. It's I don't think it's that controversial. And Patriots held uh, This is a good, I'm not going to say great game for Mac Jones, but it's a good bounce-back game. Gets yeah. Back a little bit. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, here's what I'm going to say. and Nothing against these two quarterbacks, but they, look, but they both looked really, really, really bad in this game, in my opinion. Mac Jones, would have on that pick six that got called back, he stared down his wide receiver. Michael Carter II had an easy interception. So that was a bad decision by Mac Jones. He's got to fix that, you know, sooner rather than later. Now, credit to him. He has Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calling plays for him. So that's probably hurting him. No, let's just face facts. When you go from John Daniels to that, does not help at all. I'm not. I'm going to give him both the benefit of the doubt right now. I want to say one thing about the Patriots offensive line. They have been absolutely horrendous this year. Yep. There's absolutely no redeeming factors for this offensive line. We have a sophomore quarterback like this. And, Nick, do you know how many times Mac Jones got sacked versus the uh, New York Jets last Six. week? Six. Six times. Six. How, if, you have a, if you have Tom Brady getting sacked six times, you're not going to win a game. Yeah. So, to me, if you fix the offensive line and you can get down with Mac Jones isn't getting pressured that much, isn't getting sacked that much, He's going to look a lot better. You have to give him more. There was a lot of times where he was in the pocket for under a They snapped the ball, and then a second later, he was getting sacked. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the good, the biggest thing for Mac Jones, what's very grateful for him, is that he's got really two really good running backs, and Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, that can help take the load off of that happening. Stevenson had 71 yards rushing, but he was also big out of the backfield. He had 72 yards receiving, so over 140 yards of total offense from him. He was a big factor. Jacoby Myers had a touchdown as well. Harris had 37 yards rushing, so that also does help in the you know the end of the day. The Patriots were able to run for 127 yards of total you know rushing yards in this game, and they held the Jets to 51 yards rushing in their first game without Brees Hall. So that was a big factor into this game as well. The Jets had to throw the ball a lot more than they would have rather have done the last couple of weeks. But Zach Wilson, I don't know what it was about him, but he just decided to not throw the football away in this game. There were interceptions that were very, you know, 
scratching your head moments because he threw, you know, there was one where he was running to the sideline and instead of throwing the ball away because he's not in the pocket and he wasn't in, you know, the quarterback zone, as they would like to say, for intentional grounding, easy throwaway ball. He keeps it in bounds, throws it to Devin McCourty, and he has one of the easiest interceptions of his career. And it led to the Patriots scoring a field goal. And at the end of the day, that's one of the biggest differences in this game because the Patriots were able to take advantage of so many just mistakes and, you know, get big field goals to hold on and win this game. Yeah, uh, I think you summarized it perfectly. Uh, at the end of the day, Jets, the ride finally comes to, and I'm going to say to an end because obviously there's a lot more season to go, but yeah, it comes to a temporary stop. There is a pause right now on the Jets' magical season. Uh, Patriots snap that wing, wing streak. Jets fall to 5-3. and three. Patriots at 500-4-4. Four and four. I mean, yeah, now, now the biggest thing for the Jets is now they have the Buffalo Bills coming into town this upcoming weekend. That, I mean, they have to fix what they did in this game. Cannot afford to be... Zach Wilson cannot be affording to make these same mistakes he did against New England because Buffalo is going to definitely make them pay even worse than New England made them pay for. And the Jets will have to hope that they can get a lot more out of James Robinson. Obviously, his first game with the team. So really can't say much about him. But you're hoping that with the extra week now he's been there, maybe he's learned the playbook a little bit more and maybe he can make a big difference in this game to help the Jets because... They really need to run the football efficiently if they're going to be able to win some games down the stretch of the season. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I want to hop into our next game, Arizona at Minnesota this past Sunday. Arizona keeping it very close. I want to say, I, you know, we give Kyler Murray a lot of flack, but he played a decent game. I think this is probably his best game of the season so far. Yeah, I mean, listen, Call of Duty's out, so maybe that was gave him a little bit of some uh, inspiration uh, there, Johnson. But the biggest inspiration for him is DeAndre Hopkins is back. And I said it last week. You need your star receiver to help you. And that that's what he's done in the first two games. Another another game where over 100 yards and a touchdown. Rondell Moore also had a pretty good game as well. 92 yards and a touchdown as well. But Kyler did make two crucial mistakes throwing two interceptions. Cardinals were not able to run the football. And credit to the Vikings. They take advantage. Kirk Cousins has two passing touchdowns. Also ran in for a touchdown. Dalvin Cook had a monster game as well, and the Vikings are able to hold on 34-26. to They go to 6-1 and one on the season. Now they have a big pay, you know, big lead in the NFC North. Looks like they might be able to win this division, and they might be able to clinch it by Thanksgiving at the current rate that we're going on. And for the Cardinals, I mean, they fall 3-5. Still have an outside shot, maybe a win in the NFC West, considering how bad that division has also been this season. Outside of maybe Seattle, because they've probably been the best team in that division at the end of the day. But, I mean, you got to give the Vikings their props. They get another big win, despite not looking that great at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I think the Vikings, We I said it was going to be a Packer division until proven guilty. And yeah, I did too. Packers, Packers are definitely being proven guilty right now. So it's nice to see Minnesota finally overtake that stigma of being chokers and they're never going to win the division and all this, uh, all this flack they catch. And Kirk Cousins is finally stepping up. Obviously, I... There's still the primetime question. So let's uh, I'm gonna yeah. slow myself down a little bit. There's still the primetime question. But if that's the last piece of this puzzle where they just have to figure out, because it seems like they have the coaching situation fixed. They have the receivers. They got their quarterback. Uh, they got they the uh, running Cook. backs. Yep. Yeah, they got the running back. They got the defense. It's all come together right now. Now it's just if you can perform in primetime. That is the last question for this Vikings team. Yeah, I mean the next. I believe the next primetime game is that Thanksgiving game against the New England Patriots. So I mean, time will tell to see if they could finally, you know, get that 
monkey off their back, especially for Kirk Cousins, get that monkey off their back and get a big win on primetime. But they have to do it because the playoffs, let's just face facts, that's a primetime game. You're going to be in a primetime situation no matter what. If you can't get the, if you can't win in primetime, you're not going to make any noise in the playoffs. So they have to figure something out down the stretch. But they're 6-1, and one, so they're still on top of the NFC standings. Yeah, and uh, like you said, Packers continuing to kind of falter. We'll get into them later at the towards the end of the show. But I do want to head over to the game that now decided number one in the NFC South. I mean, who would have thought of that going into this the game? The Atlanta Falcons moved to 500. Absolutely pitiful. 37-34 <laughs> win over the Carolina Panthers. Young Wei Ku hitting that field goal in overtime for the almost impossible 37-34 win, especially what seems like they were blowing it in the fourth quarter once again in classic Falcons fashion. I mean, listen, this is you talked about, you know, the Vikings and, you know, choking away some of their, you know, games in the previous years. This is a game the Panthers choked away for sure. So, obviously, you know, Atlanta's got the game pretty much intact throughout the down the stretch. You know, the Fal- Panthers have to go down the field score a miraculous touchdown to even have a chance to win the game. And guess what? They get the miraculous touchdown. P.J. Walker throwing an absolute dime to D.J. Moore. And, I mean, we've seen it so far the last two weeks. D.J. Moore is starting to find that resemblance of what we've seen his so far in his NFL career. He's finally starting to find that rhythm again. He had 152 yards and that game-tying touchdown at the time to give the Panthers, you know, to tie it at, to tie it at 34. But guess what happens, Johnson, because of that game-tying touchdown? He takes off his helmet, starts to throw it, and gets a bunch of unsportsmanlike uh, penalties called on him. So it makes the extra point attempt a longer extra point attempt than per usual, and Eddie Pinheiro misses the extra point, and because of that, the game goes to overtime. Then it gets even funnier, because then the Falcons get the ball to start of overtime, and Marcus Mariota throws an interception. So it puts the Panthers up into field goal range, Pinheiro having a chance to redeem himself, and he misses the field goal. And at the end of the day, the Falcons, they're able to drive down the field after the missed kick. They get the game-winning field goal. They win 37-34 in a absolute, as you said, a crazy game to say the least. Probably one of the, the wackiest games we've had all season. And you said it, the Falcons are in first place in the NFC South. I said at the beginning of the year they were probably going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I got to give my cap to them. They have played... Some weird football. It hasn't been pretty football, but they've done just enough to get to four and four on the season, and that's good enough to be first place in the NFC South. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting storyline going forward. I think the Buccaneers eventually find their way out of their football hell that they're currently in, and eventually take the division. Uh, they still have to play the uh, Falcons later this year, and but for now, this is a feel good story. Kyle Pitts looking like he's back into college form right now. With yeah, five he, receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Best performance of the year so far. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can do this going forward. Yeah, I mean, listen, and, and this is a Falcons team that's currently without Cordero Patterson. So if they're able to get him back sooner rather than later, boy, would that be a big, big help for this Falcons offense as they try and make a almost impossible playoff push to try to get into the NFL playoffs. And, we, and like I said, they weren't even expected to be here, but that's just how this NFL season has gone. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. We're about halfway at the halfway point of the season right now. Uh, this would be usually be the official halfway point, but we have the extra game now this season. So uh, as close as we get to being at the official halfway point. Yeah. But I want to talk about more crazy wins, more crazy victories. 
Tennessee Titans in a, I don't want to say a screamer or even a close game. It was just kind of a snooze fest outside of one very important running back in Derrick Henry. <laughs> Derrick Henry single-handedly carried Tennessee. He put the quarterback, Malik Willis, who made his NFL, NFL debut, unfortunately overshadowed uh, by this 200-plus yard performance by Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry rushes 219 yards, two touchdowns, had a rushing uh, attempt over one for over forty yards. Yep, only thirty-two rushing attempts. I mean, it's we saw Derek Henry last season. He was unbelievable before he got injured, and he was on pace to win the NFL rushing title. And and it's funny because he was still on top of the NFL rushing leaders towards the end of the season because that's how good he was throughout the you know the that stretch he was on for the Titans last year. Now he goes into this season. You know, he's having a good year again, but the Titans really needed him more than ever in this game. Obviously, Malik Willis making his NFL debut wasn't, you know, the biggest game from him. Obviously, 6 of 10, 55 yards and a pick. I mean, when you look at that stat, you think, oh, the Titans have lost this game. There's no way they won the game. They threw, they had a quarterback throw for under 60 yards and they threw an interception. How in the world did Tennessee win this game? It's simple. When you have the king in your backfield running for 200 yards, and two touchdowns, it's very much winnable for you. And let's also not forget Dontrell Hilliard, 83 yards rushing as well. Titans as a team running for 314 yards in this game. That is absurd. That is video game numbers, to say the least. Titans hang on to win. They're still in first place in the AFC South. And the Texans, they just, again, falter and pretty much are keeping the tank going as we'll have to see if they trade any of their pieces towards a trade deadline tomorrow. Yeah, Brandon Cooks, one of those names I've come up in conversation. He hasn't had the greatest year so far, but I believe on a, another team, he, he'd he be a star. He will definitely get those chances. And I mean, it could be crazy. Maybe look at the Titans as being one of those suitors. I could see the Titans trying to make a division, in-division trade. I don't know if the, the Texans would do it, but I mean, the Titans will definitely give, you know, try to give them some compensation to try to get a good caliber wide receiver like Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who would be throwing it to uh, going forward. It would be probably Ryan Tannehill. I think this is comes back, but I don't yeah. know really if I trust Ryan Tannehill throwing the Brandon Cooks. I don't either, but I think you have to look at it as it looks like when you look at this game, Malik Willis did not really set everyone in the world on fire and say, oh, look, I had a monster game this week. I should be the quarterback for the rest of the season. Let's just face facts. That was not the case at all this game. The Titans made sure to not make him throw the football at all. They just ran it. So you're going to know for a fact that Tannehill will come back and they'll try to throw the football a little bit more than they did in this game. No, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see going forward. One game I want to talk about next is history was made, or I shouldn't say history, but something you haven't for seen a while. since. Yes, yeah, something you haven't seen since 2005. Yep. San Francisco 49ers in their second game now with CMC. Wallop, Los Angeles. The uh, Rams, 31-14. CMC becomes the first player in 17 years, so since 2005, yep. with a passing, rushing, and receiving touchdown in a single game. Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, this is why you trade that draft capital to get a star caliber player like this. McCaffrey, as you said, passing, receiving, and rushing touchdown this game. He ran for 94 yards on 18 carries. He also had eight catches for 55 yards on the touchdown. This is a monster win for San Francisco because, you know, you had the, you know, a tough loss against the Chiefs the previous week. The Rams are coming off their bye week, trying to get a big win. But 
at the end of the day, this was a statement win for San Francisco. And it, I think it's a win that could really make, if they're going to make a, any type of playoff push, maybe Super Bowl push, this is the game that you look back on and say, hey, listen, this is a good start. Let's keep it going. And I think I think you'll see it throughout the rest of the season. CMC looked like a monster in this game. I think, I think as long as he stays healthy, that will keep going. And for the Rams, I mean, this is another game where they look, they just looked flat out really brutal offensively. Stafford had 187 yards in the touchdown. Cooper Cup had the touchdown reception, but he does get injured in this game. They're saying he's currently day-to-day, which is a good sign for the Rams. They cannot really afford him to get injured because, let's just face facts, the Rams really haven't been throwing the football to anyone other than Cooper Cup or Tyler Higby in a couple of instances. Kind of saw Allen Robinson a little bit in this game, but nothing too crazy about but the Rams are definitely, you know, feeling impacted by not having a running back right now. This is why they were trying to trade for Christian McCaffrey because they didn't have a running back game. And you saw in this game, they ran for 56 yards as a team at the end of the day, and it really hurt them. They were not able to do anything else. So statement from the Niners, they make a big trade to get CMC, poach him away from the Rams, and it really helps them at the end of the day as McCaffrey has a monster game, as you said. So moving forward into the uh, into more trash can teams, I don't mm-hmm. want to call the Rams trash, but certainly that's it's looking like more of it a Super Bowl hangover good. at this point. They yeah. haven't been very good. Washington with an absolute stunning victory over Indianapolis. Now, how far have the Colts fallen? I'm going to say I'm very mad about this game because Johnson. What did I say last week on the show? I said I'm going to pick the Colts. But I'm going to be very angry if they lose this game, and I'm going to be, and I'm not going to pick them again in the rest of the season. And, you know and I have, I have every right to because they're just and, a frustrating team. And you know what? This wasn't even. It was Sam Ellinger's first start at quarterback. Yep, Texas product. He had a decent game. I mean, for a rookie quarterback, he doesn't throw any. He didn't throw any touchdowns, but he made 17 of his 23 passing att- passing attempts, 200 plus yards. He did have a fumble. But overall, from a rookie quarterback, but it's not even a highly touted prospect, he had a solid game. I think he's looked better than Matt Ryan did. Ryan has all season so far. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, it's really saying much because Matt Ryan hasn't looked really that great. But at the end of the day, really, if there's going to be a quarterback that gets a lot of, you know, recognition from this game, it's got to be Taylor Heineke. He's done a great job in his two starts since taking over Carson Wentz. Got the obviously shocking win against the Packers last week. And now he gets a big win again. And this time a road win at Indianapolis, scoring the game-winning touchdown on a quarterback sneak. And he gets a big game again for Terry McLaurin. I mean, listen, if you're a fantasy owner, you're loving Terry McLaurin's resurgence since Taylor Heineke's come back into play as quarterback. McLaurin goes for over 113 yards, made an insane catch towards the end of that game to set up the Heineke touchdown. The commanders get the win, and now everyone in the NFC East is 500 or above. So Washington's starting to make a little bit of a late push. Could they maybe be a sneaky late season wild card push? I don't know, but they have a good enough defense to maybe make a case. And one thing I do want to say now is I feel insanely bad for Carson Wentz. The latter half of his career has been in shambles to say the least. And if there's any quarterback controversy right now in the NFL, it's definitely between Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz. I mean, I think you have to start Heineke. I, I, the offense has looked a lot better with Heineke at quarterback since he's taken since he's taken back over. And You've he has seen... last year too. He has last year as a sample yeah. size as well. So it's not just this past year. 
I don't yeah. even know why he ever got benched, to be honest. He was clearly then, the better quarterback. He played really bad down the stretch last season. That's kind of why. Though. Like, that, Carson no, it Wentz does. hasn't looked good since the back well, injury, right? The, was it the back injury in Philly? I mean, Carson had? Wentz was all right last year at Indy. He just made some really head-scratching throws. Towards the end of the season again. Towards the end of the season. But if you're he going to hold hard. accountable for Heineke's I'm not. I'm not saying Carson Wentz shouldn't be accountable for it. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. That's not. Yeah, but that's not saying anything. They're both really bad. They're both now really good. I mean, it's just so. I mean, Carson Wentz in 2017 and 2018, he looked so promising. It looked like he was like maybe Philadelphia finally had found that illustrious franchise quarterback they were looking for since they haven't had one since Donovan McNabb. And now it's it, it, he goes, maybe Jalen Hurts is that guy, but it, you have to feel bad now because this is his favorite team now in the last few years. Indianapolis decides to tr- toss him aside for a worse quarterback in Matt Ryan. And now maybe it's Taylor sad, Heineken. It's sad, but uh, I'd still take Matt out. Ryan over Carson Wentz. I, oh God! I don't think I don't know. I would still take far. Matt Ryan. I would still take Matt Ryan over Carson it's, Wentz. I don't think I'd go that far. I think I would take Carson Wentz. I think if you ask any, any person, I think they would. I think they would say the same. That could be just me, but I, that's my personal opinion. I would not take Carson Wentz over Matt Ryan. But any, at the end of the day, Commanders get the big win. Let's see how they finish out the rest of the season. They're four and four now. So I mean. Like I said, could they be a sneaky late season push for a wild card? I think only time's going to tell. But we'll talk about the team that they beat last week, the Green Bay Packers, going into Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills for Sunday night football. Now, the final score of this game is 27 to 17, but you got to admit, I mean, the Packers played a little bit better than I expected them to play in this game. I think everyone was realistically expecting an absolute blowout at the end of the day. But the Packers didn't, you know. Did just enough to keep you know pace with Buffalo. Obviously, had some big earlier on mistakes that kept them you know in you know in the back and you know hurt them at the end of the day. A very bad play by Quay Walker to get ejected from this game. Re- Packers really could not have afforded that to happen. But at least in the second half, you start you start to saw you know Aaron Jones finally running the football over 140 yards rushing in this game. Packers, you know, fans have been alluding to the fact that they need to run the football a lot more. You saw it in this game. They ran for 200 yards as a team. But Josh Allen and Buffalo was just too much for them. Allen does make two, you know, has two really bad interceptions in the second half. But he had a really good first half, and that's all Buffalo needed as they get a big win over the Packers, 27-17. to They go to 6-1, and and the Packers, they lose again. They now fall to 3-5. and They've lost four in a row. And man, it is not a good time to be a Packer fan. No, Green Bay seems to be falling apart at the wheels right now. Aaron, so it looks like Aaron Rodgers is finally succumbing to Favre Time. Favre Time is undefeated, and it looks like it's taking him pretty uh, harshly this season. I mean, yeah, I mean, we said the same thing about Tom Brady earlier. I mean, there's just been some questionable stuff that's going on with both of these teams. They're kind of—I I would say these these two teams are very similar. Where you had two really big defenses going into the season, a lot of expectations, and they really haven't played up to those expectations in a sense. Then you have the two quarterbacks. Now, credit, it's different for the Packers side where they don't have the wide receiving core that Tampa Bay does. So Aaron Rodgers is really taking a hit from that. It's hurting, you know, 
in a sense because they don't have that number one wide receiver to help them in a sense. But that's obviously not the only reason that Green Bay is currently three and five right now. A lot of issues in the beginning where they weren't running the football and very questionable passing decisions being made by either Matt LaFleur or Aaron Rodgers, whoever was making the play calling decisions at the time. They finally get to the run in this game, but at the end of the day, they did it a little bit too late because by the time they started running the football, they were already trailing 24 to 7. So they need to, you know, keep that momentum going. They got to run the football earlier enough so that they can get themselves in a winning position. They have a chance to do it against the Lions this upcoming week, but if they lose to the Lions, then they're really done. A 3 and 6 record would not look good on the Packers' part. See, you say the Packers, yeah, that's valid criticism that or valid analysis that the Packers are lacking wide receivers and Tom Brady is not. However, they still have the coaching staff in place. Yeah, no, I, I agree that's with you. The coaching staff is worth infinitely more than the than, than the wide receivers. I think that I will say that the, they did lose. I know, obviously, you know, Nathaniel Hockett has not been great for the Broncos this season, but you know, and the same thing for Luke Getze from the Chicago Bears, the offensive coordinator. But losing two coordinators is really, really hurts the offense in a lot of senses because you're you're obviously trying to figure out, all right, who could be that next coordinator to help set up the play calling for Rodgers. Most of the time, it's just going to be Matt LaFleur calling the plays, but you really need those type of coaches to help you, you know, keep these, especially with these young wide receivers, you need to tell them, hey, listen, this is where I want you to be. This is what you have to do on a certain route. And the Packers have not really had that this season. They're also having a lot of bad drops from these receivers because let's just face it, the pressure is really getting to them right now, especially with this now four-game losing streak. they got to fix something, and I think only time will tell how the season goes, but they need to run the football a lot more down the stretch of the season if they're going to have any chance of sneaking into the playoffs. No, I 100% agree with you. There's been one bright spot over on this team. It's Aaron Jones when he has the opportunity to run the football. He's looked fantastic. But he's been Jekyll and Hyde, and that's really not all his fault. It's just the amount of touches he's been getting, uh, depending on these games. Yeah. I mean, and listen, with the trade deadline coming up, you got to wonder, will the Packers be one of those teams that potentially buy in, in a sense, to try to get a, a, tie, you know, a top-tier wide receiver? You know, we talked about Brandon Cooks earlier on. Could they look at Brandon Cooks, potentially? We've heard rumors that the Patriots maybe would trade Kendrick Board or Nelson Aguilar. Could they look into one of those guys? Chase Claypool has been on the market as well from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jerry Judy as well. I mean, there's certainly wide receivers to trade for for Green Bay or for any wide receiver needy team like the Tennessee Titans or even my New York Giants. There's got, or even even Baltimore now. Baltimore lost Rashad Bateman today, so they're going to probably be in the market to be making a big-time trade for a wide receiver. Now, today, they also made a big trade in acquiring Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears trading a 2023 second-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and linebacker A.J. Klein, a monster move for Baltimore. They add another great linebacker to what has already been a good linebacking court for them this season. Now you get Roquan Smith, and he's also on a contract here, so this is very interesting. If they can get him to a contract extension and you don't sign Lamar Jackson, who who gets a franchise tag in that case? I don't even know because Baltimore right now doesn't seem like they want to pay Lamar Jackson. But besides the point, Baltimore and all these other needy receiving teams are going to be in line to look at some of these guys like Cooks and Judy and Claypool just to try to you know bolster up their wide receiver room and try to make a push towards the playoffs. 
Now, you, it's interesting you said these needy wide receiver teams. I found it very interesting that the Giants trade Kadarius Tony. They yeah. uh, they need a wide receiver. He hasn't been healthy for him. He hasn't really played. Uh, it's their lack of use for him. Well, like they did not use him. Well, it's more than a lack of use. I think it's uh, there's some more fishy things in the Tony camp going on. I'm not a Giants fan, but some more suspect things going on in the Tony camp than anything else. Well, the the, the other issue is is that was Kadarius Tony quote unquote injured? Because I, I have a feeling that. He was obviously hurt for a point, but he must he must have been healthy throughout the last couple of weeks, in my opinion. Because once he pa- he passed the physicals and everything, as soon as he got to Kansas City, and he's already aligned to play this their next upcoming game. So I don't know what the situation there is there. Obviously, remember this is a new regime in New York with Joe Shane. So it wasn't his draft pick when he took Kadarius Tony. That was Dave Gellman's last first round draft pick. So. In a sense, this does help Kansas City because they get a big-time playmaker in Tony that could do electrifying things when on the field. And it helps, you know, they have Juju Smith and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore as well. They have some good pieces there in Kansas City. And they also have Nicole Hardman. So this just helps the Chiefs in a sense. But for the Giants, this is also good because you get some draft pick compensation. And they can now use these draft picks to potentially get one of those top receivers like Jerry Judy or Claypool. Something like that. Now, me personally, I would love Jerry Judy on this team. I think if you were able to trade the two picks that you got in the Darius Tony trade for a guy like Jerry Judy, that's a home run for New York because then you get a young wide receiver that you can pay eventually, and he could be potentially that guy for Daniel Jones that we've been looking for all season because the Giants haven't had a number one wide receiver all year, but yet are six and two. If you were able to get a t- uh, you know a guy like Jerry Judy on this team. It could definitely help Daniel Jones throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm just going to be very interested to see how the Giants play this out because I don't think they were expecting to be buyers at this trade deadline. No, I don't think anyone was. Now, we had mentioned earlier in the year that they have a favorable schedule, but the Giants still have an opportunity to start the season 8-2. and two. And, hey, if they start 8-2, and two, you're going to be playing two trash teams in the Lions and Texans when they come off their bye. And then when they come... Imagine seeing Jerry Judy... Run down the field in MetLife, or just say run down oh, the turf in MetLife. It'd be hype. it would be amazing because that's a fir- another first round talented wide receiver. And let's just face facts, he has really lost. He's been lost in the shuffle and how bad Denver's offense has been. Now, credit the last two weeks, we've seen him play a lot better than he had at the beginning of the season. But that's just good on his part because he's really made his trade value a little bit better than it was. But that's why I think if you give up the compensation from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it works out because then you realistically essentially traded Kadarius Tony for Jerry Judy, which at the end of the day I, is a home run for the Giants. Judy's a better receiver than Tony probably will in his career. I th- I yeah. think, yeah, I th- uh, Tony, I, I, he's he's such a shifty player where he can make plays when he catches the ball, yeah, but the injuries concerns is really it really does not help him. And I think Judy is is a bigger playmaker. It could be a bigger playmaker. Judy's yeah. had huge injury issues, but Judy's also one of the best route runners I've ever seen coming yeah. out of college. That guy running routes was legit magic. So, especially for a guy like Daniel Jones, I feel like he needs somebody that's very technical. I think that would help him a lot. I mean, yeah, because Giants really cannot go the rest of the season when having. I mean, listen. No, no disrespect to Darius. No disrespect to Darius Slayton, but he's been the he's been their top receiver. 
They have Wandale Robinson also. And then their next best receiver is who? Marcus Johnson? Uh, you, it's, it's David Sills. Yeah, but I'm saying compare like I think Johnson runs a lot more routes than David Sills does. And no disrespect to David Sills, but the Giants cannot win with him being a number three or number four oh, wide no, receiver. Absolutely not. I you love need, David Sills, but he's not. You need to go out and make a big-time trade to get a wide receiver. And they have to do it by tomorrow because the trade deadline is tomorrow. So if you can get Jerry Judy, that's amazing. I wouldn't mind Brandon Cooks. I just My fear is that you're trading for a 29-year-old wide receiver. I would rather get a younger wide receiver in Judy because then you have some longevity on him. And you can give him a contract extension at the end of the day once you make this trade. So it would be great on both parts. But we'll have to t- – I mean, time's only going to tell. And also it would be good for Denver because, remember, they don't have a first-round pick this season. So they're trying to get some kind of draft pick compensation so that they, get, they can at least make some draft picks this year. All right. So I think that concludes our NFL trade talks. Let's go into everyone's favorite part, predictions. Let's go into next week's predictions, our next week's NFL preview, starting with Thursday Night Football. Just, yeah, um, it's, it's easy. It's everyone's picking Eagles over Texans, right? doesn't matter that they're in Eagles. Eagles by a million, unfortunately. Uh, the Texans okay. have no shot. Okay, Grayson, okay. you in agreement with this? I don't oh, think we 100%. really need to talk about this. Davis Mills hasn't looked that great. Had a good rookie year, but hasn't looked that good. But the Eagles just look unstoppable. Like, and realistically, if we were if, if this wasn't a Thursday night game, this game would not be talked about. But it's a Thursday night game, so you have to talk uh, over about unders it. at forty four. I think the Eagles and my, themselves might score forty four <laughs> yeah. points. So I'm going yeah. to hammer the over. Um, hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully, but I would like to see the Texans win because I will never root from a team from I'll, Philadelphia or in the Philadelphia region. Uh, you know, I'm going to say Johnson. I, I'll give you the. I'll give you my final score prediction. I'll, I'm going to say the under will hit. The final score will be thirty to three. Eagles win. Man, that would be that'd be something. I mean. If that Everyone else, America if that score, loses, but that's the actual score. I'm going to be really bad at myself. Well, place a futures bet right now. Place uh, a futures bet right no. now. Exact scores are really, really tough. Just, bro, just throw five, just throw five dollars on it, and mm. if it hits, you'll probably make you know, like ten thousand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next game. Next game, uh, Indianapolis Colts going into Foxborough facing the Patriots. New England Patriots, Patriots, five points favorites. Mac Jones going to be on the center. And Matt Ryan is going to be out for this game, I believe. Oh, uh, he's, questionable, he's questionable. Sam Alringer is a starter anyway. They said okay. even if Matt Ryan wasn't hurt, Alringer was still the starter no matter what. They were benching him for the rest of the season. That's a sad way to end your NFL career because God knows he's not playing after this. Yeah, he would definitely not get another starting job. This is definitely his last one. They are stupid. They should have went and got Gardner Minshew. Yeah. All right, I mean, uh, let's not talk him. about. Let, let's. Uh, Let's ignore that, and we could talk. We could make fun of the Colts. I I love making fun of the Colts, but let's make fun of them because they're playing the Patriots this week. Yeah, uh, Mac Jones starting on the center again. Is there going to be a quarterback controversy? I think if Mac Jones is able to have another two hundred yards, throw for two touchdowns, not turn the ball over, I don't think there's a quarterback controversy after this game if he performs how he's expected to perform. Um, I think the Patriots win, but I think we get Bailey Zappi in. Now, do you think you it's because Mac Jones performs so badly, or do you think he gets injured? Or I think it's because Mac Jones is a bum, and, uh, and that's he, because he went to Alabama, right? No, most likely, most, yeah. most, most likely, most likely. Okay, <laughs> Bailey Zappi's better. Um, my prediction for this game is that it's going to be bowling shoe ugly, in which both offenses are going to be really bad. I, I the Colts' offense doesn't doesn't really light up the world, even with 
the quarterback change. I mean, they didn't show it in this last game. John the Taylor, let's just face facts, has not been that great this season. And I'm really worried because I really think John the Taylor is one of the best backs, if not the best back in the NFL. But he hasn't just really shown it this season because of how bad the Colts have played offensively. And really due in fact that the offensive line has been bad for the Colts this year, which is really the bread and butter throughout the past couple of seasons. But for New England, their offense is also not lining up the world either. Mac Jones, uh, he's having a horrible season. Three touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's got to get those get that fixed. I think New England wins this game due to the fact that I think Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris are just going to be too much for the Colts. I think they'll both have a decent enough game. And I think the under will hit for sure because I don't think these offenses are going to score at all. Okay, so all taking Patriots. Next game I want to talk about, uh, Bills versus Jets, staying in the NFC East. AFC East, um, close enough. Um, NFC, AFC East. It's been a long, long night. I want to say the, I do want to say that the NFC East with the Giants, hey, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Commanders, and the NF- AFC East with the Patriots, Bills, Jets, and Commanders, probably and the Dolphins. two best. Of, you mean and Dolphins. Dolphins? He's like Commanders. And Dolphins. God, <laughs> it's been so, it's been a long day. Johnny so is struggling. Fucking- Rice, Bobby. Get it together. <laughs> I'll take it over from here. So, Buffalo coming into this game with a nice win over the Green Bay Packers. Jets coming off a really tough loss against the New England Patriots. The line currently for this game is Buffalo minus 13, over under 47 and a half. Johnson, your prediction for this game? Uh, Bills by a million. I hate both these franchises, but I hate the Jets more. So, uh, I hope the Bills go into MetLife Stadium, and I hope they win 50 to 0, and I hope... Uh, I hope Zach Wilson sees more. I hope he sees ghosts just the way like the way that uh, Sam Donald saw ghosts. Grayson, <laughs> um, the Bills. Yep. I mean, it's really hard not to take the Bills. They're the best team in football. Yeah. So I, it, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I mean, the, the second best is what? Probably the Chiefs. But like. Uh, if we forget the Philadelphia Eagles, does this team not exist? Uh, the sure Eagles that. have to be the second best team by the record, but. The Chiefs are definitely like to be like I think the, 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 they're pretty good. I, I think the Eagles are good. I'd probably put them at three. Like I, I think the AFC has just been the AFC by far is better than the NFC. Yeah, that's not a question. But um, yeah, Bills probably by twenty-one points. By I mean, 21 points. Uh, I think, uh, God, I can't even disagree with that. I think the Bills are going to mm. s- smash the Jets. Yeah. I, I don't know how, how much it's going to be by, but it's definitely going to be by a couple of touchdowns. Bills minus 13 looks really good. I'm telling and th- this is why. Zach Wilson, I said it earlier, crushing. he looked really bad in the New England game. Really Send made some. Back to college. He made some really bad throws. I don't know what he was. I don't know what he's been thinking when he's making decisions like that. But as I said, he can't afford to do that against Buffalo, and I have a bad feeling he's going to do that against the Bills. We still have to wonder what the Jets' running game is right now because James Robinson still is luring the playbook, so he's probably not going to have a big game. And also, you're facing a Bills defense that's pretty good. Now, Jets need to run the football to have any chance to stay alive in this game. I just think it's not, you know, it's still too soon with the trade with Robinson and Michael Carter. Really didn't have a good game last week either, so the Jets are just dealing with a lot of issues right now on the offense and the defense. I mean, 
Mitch they've Sauce been Gardner and nobody else. They've been playing. No, that's not true at all. Quentin Williams has been an absolute no, beast for them this season. He's an absolute savage. And their corner. I mean, DJ Reed has been really good for them too. Michael yeah, no. Carter had an interception and almost had a second yeah, one. They're secondary solid. It's it, no all around. The Jets have a really good defense. Um, I, oh it's no, good. I don't. I wouldn't call it really good. No, absolutely really good. good. Absolutely good. They have good linebackers. Good defensive front. Secondary is uh, solid right now. They have the secondary, and they're it's their linebackers that I'm not sold on. I mean, listen, Quan yeah, Alexander, C.J. Mosley, they've been really good for the Jets this season. And once you get Jermaine uh, Johnson back from injury, that will only that will definitely help them. Uh, that's fair. I, I think they're a good defense. I really good is just the. I'm saying that like they have really good players on paper. Yeah, they're still they're still a young team where they they have they like fix some kinks out and stuff like that. Yeah, I think they need to draft a quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, this is a big game for the Jets because if Zach, if Zach Wilson continues to play the way he's playing right now, I mean, I'm not saying the Jets are going to look at quarterback this season, but man, they would have to look at thinking about quarterback soon because really, uh, no, but I I think it's too too still too early and there's the Wilson experiment. You have to give I him just, yeah you have to give him a chance. I disagree. It, you got to remember, like, they're dealing with another I- issue of wide receiver. Elijah Moore now wants a trade. They've already had Denzel Mims asking for a trade. Realistically, right now, the Jets only have Garrett Wilson, and Corey Davis is currently injured, so the Jets are really dealing with some that, issues. But, like, he has he showed you anything that says that? I'm not saying he has, that? but it's kind of like where, like, I mean, the Giants, listen, they gave Daniel Jones a chance, and he hadn't shown anything. Daniel Jones showed way more than what Wilson showed. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think you have to get. I think you have to get Wilson a chance because you you drafted him in the first round for a reason. Also, Daniel Jones has a better arm than Wilson. I mean, like, Wilson's sh- not a thrower. Sh- I mean, sure, a, Wilson's going to end up being that running quarterback type. But remember, Grayson, they're five and three. They're not going to be in position to take one no, of those top quarterbacks, so they're already in a bad spot. I mean, if you want to go back to you know. Our college football prediction. You take Richardson in the second or third round. I mean, yeah. Put but some pressure. In my opinion, put sure. pressure on Zach Wilson. But isn't Richardson just the same type of quarterback where you're just more running than passing? Yeah, I think Richardson makes better decisions than Wilson. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Look, I just – I didn't like Wilson coming out of the draft. I thought it was a stupid pick. I would have waited the year. No, the Jets could not wait a year. You could have. You could have signed somebody. No. Who? But, Nick, in reality. They had the number two overall pick. Who do you take at that that pick then? You trade down. You you trade down. Zach Wilson should not have gone in the top five. I mean, you could have made the case for them taking a different quarterback, sure. But they had to take quarterback. They They were that. It was that bad. You come off the Sam Darnold experiment, and that was horrible. You had to take a quarterback. I mean, is this team any worse with Sam Darnold? Yes. Is are they? Sam, why? How many times do I have to tell you Sam Darnold's terrible? Oh, I don't think he's not terrible, but I also think Zach Wilson's terrible. I would take Zach Wilson over Zach Sam Darnold any day. I, I, I think I don't it's care. a pretty damn. I think it's, it's close. No. All right, buddy. I'm not going to sit here, and that's no. kind of disrespectful. This is this Sam is Donald. Sam Darnold's backing up Baker Mayfield. He's not. Even, he's the third so, string on the on the Panthers right now. That's pretty bad. He's the third string. Zach Wilson's going to be out of the league in five years. So uh, that 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 okay. That could be the 
sure, the future, maybe. But right now, Zach Wilson has to, you have to give him another season. This is only his second year in the NFL. Wait, oh, okay. just, uh, All right, hold on. Let me, let me, let me make a better, actually a different question. So Trevor Lawrence has also looked terrible. Are you saying Jacksonville should look at a quarterback right now? Trevor Lawrence also had 10 times more potential. Should Jacksonville look at quarterback? Because Trevor Lawrence has also been terrible. Consider it. I think it'd be stupid of them. Wait, hold on, wait. Let me finish. I think it'd be stupid of them because I think there's a they're two totally different quarterbacks. Hold on. Uh, I understand, but that's the number one and number two pick. They're not they weren't far picked. But they should have been. Wilson didn't deserve to be even in the top ten. He had good numbers at BYU. A lot of people said BYU? (laughs) No. Why do you sound like Mickey Mouse? I don't know. Zach Wilson should never have went in the top ten. I'm not saying he not should even, or shouldn't have. Top five, but to, you can't compare Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. No, I mean, but you can't. That's you're not the comparison. I'm saying is is that you're gonna be you're just gonna take Zach Wilson and not give him another chance because of where he went to college. But it, it, the same sentence for Trevor Lawrence. No, you're basing I'm it off of college. Of what I've seen, Trevor. Yeah, what have you seen from Trevor Lawrence? I've only seen Trevor Lawrence attempt to try to do shit. He's a I don't think he a has. He is way more of a quarterback than Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence is not playing good right now, buddy. He's at least shown good games. Has he? Has he not? No, I don't think he has. No. I can't name one good Jaguars game the last two years with him. I, I, I want to back. I want to check my stats for one second. Well, I we, could, we, could, we could cut this off now. Because it's supposed to be NFL predictions, not a not a whole debate whether uh, Zach just, Wilson's good or he's bad. I'm just saying bullshit. No, I know Johnson. I'm just saying he wants Zach Wilson out already. But if, if that's the case, then why isn't Trevor Lawrence getting the same uh, consideration? Let let the viewers decide on who that's going to be. We will certainly hear. All, we'll get DMs and messages and whatever this week on. Who is good? Who is bad? But I want to talk about a surging team right now versus a team that's trying to find their identity. Okay. In the LA Chargers going into Atlanta this week, Chargers three point favorites. Falcons had that hell of a win. So Grayson, I think you're taking the Chargers. No, I'm taking the Falcons. I Ooh. think the Chargers are going to find a way to lose this game. I think okay. I think they have found a way to somehow just suck. I I, I love Justin Herbert, but I'm really starting to see why people are like, oh, I don't understand why he doesn't get criticized like other quarterbacks. He's There's nothing that I don't think Herbert can do, but he just doesn't prove it some of these games. And I think this is a tough game for them. I'm going to, I'm thinking, I'm going to take the Chargers here. I think they bounce back. Uh, they've had a bye. They've had a week off now. Chargers, uh, Falcons coming off that big win. I'm going to say it's a little bit of the, that's going to be the Falcons Super Bowl this year. Getting a 37-34 thriller over Charlotte. I think that's going to be uh, their Super Bowl this year. They're going to be hungover for the rest of the year. And I'm going to take the Chargers. I, 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 I Listen, I think the criticism about Justin Herbert is fair. I mean, he hasn't really... He's played all right, but not has not played spectacular, in a sense. And it's really hurting the Chargers. But that's not always one of the biggest reasons why they're losing. Their defense has also not really been that great for them. And now you lost J.C. Jackson for the rest of the season. So that's a major blow for them. Now, I'm going to pick the Chargers in this game due to the fact that now Keenan Allen is going to have another extra week to finally fully 
be you know healed, which he has not been this entire season. And I think that's going to be major, especially for since the fact that the Falcons have a gluttony of injuries at in the secondary right now. AJ Terrell is injured. Jalen Hawkins, their starting safety, is injured. They have a bunch of guys right now that are currently hurt. And you sort of in that Panthers game, they couldn't stop PJ Walker and DJ Moore. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to stop Mike Williams. Oh, actually, no, Mike Williams, I think, is hurt. So they have Keenan Allen. So it's still it would still be Keenan Allen, and they have Austin Eckler. And Gerald Everett has been a, a good tight end for them this season as well. I think it's just not going to be enough for the Falcons to stop that an offense that has good playmakers at the end of the day. All right, so we have two for Chargers, one for Falcons. I want to go into Battle of the Birds and Seahawks versus Cardinals. Should be um, another interesting game here. Uh, Arizona, not having the greatest season. Seattle, kind of a surprise of the season. Now, Seattle at Arizona. Uh, believe it or not, Cardinals one-and-a-half-point favorites. I think that's a mistake. Okay, so you looks like the, yeah, it looks, sounds like you're taking the Seahawks. Why are you taking the Seahawks? Yeah. Um, Gino's on a tear, and I think Kenneth Walker could really do some damage. You know, he's a really solid running back for a guy really young into the league. Um, I mean, you got DK, and I mean, is Lockett uh, Lockett and Metcalf? They're they're both they they both Lockett is actually healthy. They well, yeah, Lockett had a touchdown against the Giants, so yeah, yeah, I know, but I wasn't. No, they're gonna. The report. No, they're, 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 they're gonna. They'll saying. they'll probably play. Okay, I mean, with those two receivers, I mean, that's not gonna be fun to deal with. Um, and honestly, Cod's out, so you know, Kyler might start shitting himself again. I'm gonna take the Cardinals here, but I think with D Hop being back, it's proven that Kyler's gotten a lot better. It's gonna be. I'm gonna say Cardinals by a field goal. It's gonna be very close, but I feel like with uh. D-Hop being back, it's added a whole new dimension to this offense. James Conner still questionable. He could be back. But I'm going to go with the Cardinals this, this week. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna, I would take uh, Cardinals plus one and a half. I had to bet on it, and I think they're going to win outright. Yeah, I think I'd also take the Arizona Cardinals. I think just having DeAndre Hopkins has really helped them their last couple weeks with offensively. If they get James Conner back, that would be huge for them as well. But you're starting to see the emergence of Rondell Moore now as a wide receiver for them, which is really helpful. And the Seahawks, listen, they're riding a great wave of momentum, but it's kind of like with the Giants, where eventually that, that you know, they're gonna, it's gonna reach a, a halt. And I think this is gonna be that halt. They're going into Arizona. It's not gonna be an easy game. And remember, they have the game after that. They have to go to Germany to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you gotta wonder if you know that's gonna be on their mind potentially. Not sure, but I think just having DeAndre Hopkins is huge right now for Arizona. And I, this is a game they have to win because essentially. They lose this game, they're pretty much out of any playoff race, especially in the NFC West. So, I think Arizona is going to win this game. It's going to be a close one, though. Definitely be a close one. Speaking of close games, want to talk about the Rams versus Buccaneers? Two teams desperately needing a win on their board right now to stay in the playoff race. Both these Super Bowl contenders going into the season: Los Angeles Rams at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay, three-point uh, three favorites, over-under at 42.5. This is just going to be a battle of uh, who could turn the ball over less, and I think that's going to be the Buccaneers. Matt Stafford has looked like a shell of himself. He looks like to be a turnover machine this year. I, I think Tampa Bay finally finds its footing here and squeaks out a close 
but probably undeserving victory. Um, I think this game's going to end in a tie. God, I hope not. <laughs> it's going to end in a tie. Uh, that's a uh, I, that's definitely a first. I think this game's ending in a tie. I think they're both so ass. You think it's ending in a 10-10 tie? Yeah. Like, I could totally see this game. Both with field goals being sco- scored in overtime. Whoever gets it first scores a field goal at the very end. Uh, yep. We just take a field goal to tie the game. Mm-hmm. That would be the perfect. That would be the perfect way to end this game. To be honest with that you, would just uh, be the way the, the way this NFL season has gone. Yeah, I really wouldn't be surprised. Nick, who are you taking? Um, I'm God. I I guess Tampa Bay. I really don't feel happy about taking them right now because they've looked so bad. But so have the Rams. They, they I mean, it's funny because this was the best. This was one of the best games we had this past postseason. But if you remember in that game, the Rams had a lot of playmakers with o- Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup was amazing, and you you know they had the same you know they had a really better offensive line. This is not the same Rams team going into this game. Tampa Bay essentially has some of their best playmakers still from that game, but their offensive line is obviously not the same. I think just at the end of the day, Tampa Bay has a little bit more offensive play like star power against the Rams players, so I guess Tampa Bay wins this game. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams won, but I guess Tampa Bay wins. Okay, that was depressing from all of us. Um, yeah, no one has any faith in this game. Thank no. God it's not one of our Sunday night games or Monday night games. Um, not like these are much better, but Sunday yeah, night not game, much. Kind of, kind of exciting. Titans versus the Chiefs. It's Tennessee going into Kansas City. Going to be a primetime game Sunday night on, on uh, NBC. Both teams five and two, but Chiefs are thirteen point favorites, effectively twelve and a half point favorites. Their money lines five twenty five. The over unders at forty six and a half. I think everyone's taking uh, Kansas City, right? Yeah, I don't think this is gonna be a close game. I uh, the Titans are a really weird five and two team where they played good enough to win, but. They're not gonna get. They're not gonna get away with how they got away with this week, where they just ran the football into oblivion and were able to hold on to get the win. Now they might have to do that again if Tannehill is still hurt, which I don't think he will. But I'm pretty sure he will play in this game. But I think the Chiefs just are are beyond and above a way better football team than the Tennessee Titans are. And I think you'll maybe see maybe Kadarius Tony implemented in some capacity in this game. So we'll have to see how that works out. But I think the Chiefs just route the tight ends to prove why they're going to be a big-time Super Bowl contender this season. Yeah, no, it's certainly going to be interesting. I think Derrick Henry has a day because the Chiefs effectively can't play any defense. So if I had to take the over this game, I probably would. Uh, do we know if Ryan Tannehill is starting? This, uh... Uh, at the current moment, we don't, but I believe he's probably going to play. So he's on pace to start. Uh, gives me a lot more faith than Malik Wills. Nothing against him, but just that at this point in his career, Ryan Tannehill is the better quarterback. That's not really saying much. But it gives me a little bit more faith. This is also Andy Reid's play calling and his game plan, so God help him. Uh, but I am going to take the Chiefs. I think they I think they co- I don't think they cover, but I think they win. I think it's about a 10-point win for the Chiefs. If I had to put money on this game, I'd say I'd be comfortable putting at like 30 to 20. Somewhere in that uh, range, I think the the over hits by a field goal or so. But I don't even know the I don't even know the the Titans are going to score twenty points. To be honest with you, I don't think the Titans will. But I think Derrick Henry will score fourteen by himself. 
maybe. I don't know. I have no faith in Titans this season. I'm going to be honest. The Titans are fucking ass. So, Grayson, you're <laughs> taking the uh, Chiefs then, I presume? I mean, am I an idiot? Of course I'm taking the Chiefs. All Who right. So, well, well yes, Titans. you are, but yeah. Shut up. All right, so that's uh, everyone taking the Chiefs. And the final game, another primetime game, Monday Night Football. We have uh, another boring game, I guess. It's been better than some of the Monday Night games in the past and the Thursday yeah. Night games in the past. So, but for NFL season, this NFL season, it's mediocre. But I guess by primetime standards, this is good, which is pretty sad to say the least. Monday Night Football, Baltimore. At New Orleans, Baltimore being a three-point favorite, minus three, over-under at 48. We're taking Baltimore, right? I'm going to say this. I'm going to take Baltimore, but I think this is going to be a really close game. I think the spread is very, very, like... It's on point. Um, it's, I think it's on point. I I will say that, you know, it's the Saints are such a weird team because they're three and five. Obviously, it looks like Andy Dalton's going to be riding the ship the rest of the season at quarterback. I don't know if Jameis Winston's ever going to take that starting role back at this rate. It's other than, it, I mean, it should be, I guess, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I think Baltimore is just a, they're again, a way better team than New Orleans. The question is going to be, can Baltimore play four quarters of football and not choke this game away like they've done earlier in the season? I don't know. I, I Listen, we saw Alvin Kamara have a monster game this past week. Saints have any chance in this game, it's going to be Kamara having a monster game out of the backfield. So he'll have to do that again in order for New Orleans to get the win, but I'm taking the Ravens just despite that. Yeah, it's, it's. I think I'm going to take the Ravens, but I think if they can get back Jarvis Landry and maybe Michael Thomas, they've been out. Uh, if they can get him them back, maybe they have a shot. That would be my analysis. But other than that, I think uh, Baltimore gets off out to a hot, hot start, and then in the third and fourth quarter, they start to collapse, but they don't. Collapse completely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say, Grayson. Any uh, um, any thoughts about this game? I, I don't really trust the. Re- I just don't trust them, bro. Oh, God. But do you trust I'm New Orleans saying, more? That's the problem. Um, I'm going with the Saints. I think mm. Kamara. Okay, it's interesting. I I just I don't trust that offense from it. Is Manju's going to end up playing this week? They're saying he has a chance to play this week. They're not too... If Manju's doesn't play, it's the Saints by far. If Manju's plays, I think the Ravens definitely have a better chance. I'm still leaning towards the Saints. But, you know, I'm sticking with the Saints. Fuck it. I really... uh, I don't trust the Ravens offense. I I really just don't. how much are you going to rely on Kenyon Drake and Gus Edwards? And Staten Island legend, Gus Edwards. Look, love me some Gus Bus, but no. Nah, I just. Yeah, I mean. got to take Kamara and let him run. I, I think it's fair. I mean, listen, like I said, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the addition of Roquan Smith will be definitely something to see in this game. I mean, and who's to tell? I mean, the NFL trade line is tomorrow. So maybe one of these teams make a trade, but we, I mean, for sure, we might see some big time action come tomorrow when the NFL trade deadline hits. And also when the, we'll also see how the college football playoff poll will come out tomorrow. So Tuesday is definitely a big time day in the world of professional football. 
But that is going to do it for the All Gas No Breaks Sports Show here on Spotify. A very great week in the NFL once again. What will happen with the trade deadline? Only time is going to tell. Once again, I have one of your co-hosts, Nick Pavona, joined alongside Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G. Marino. Have a great rest of your spooky Halloween weekend.